You're listening to the Public Health Epidemiology Careers Podcast, Episode 158. Welcome to the Public Health Epidemiology Careers Podcast, where we explore public health epidemiology careers and share tips and strategies to help you enter or transition into the field. And now your host, Dr. Charlotte Hughes-Huntley. Greetings, everyone, and thank you for joining me on this episode. This episode is part of a special sponsored series of episodes where you'll learn about the Tribal Epidemiology Centers through my interviews with public health professionals working with the community at each of the centers. On this episode, you'll meet Chris Tallbear with the Oklahoma Area Tribal Epidemiology Center and learn about his journey into public health. You'll also learn about the Oklahoma Area Tribal Epidemiology Center, which is just one of 12 partner tribal epidemiology centers funded by the Indian Health Services Division of Epidemiology and Disease Prevention to assist in improving the health of American Indians and Alaska Natives throughout the United States. The Oklahoma Area Tribal Epidemiology Center Director Tracy Prather describes Chris as being Very well-spoken, extremely knowledgeable, has a gift for storytelling and speaking truth. He is brilliant, accomplished, and truly humble servant leader in our organization and communities. Now that I've actually met Chris, I absolutely agree with her description. During the interview, I found myself deeply engaged in his stories and hanging on every word. Some of the stories and cultural lessons were so similar to lessons I've learned from my ancestors. While some of what we talked about seemed familiar to me, the rest was truly eye-opening and inspiring and very educational. Without a doubt, you will be able to see and feel his passion for his culture, his people, and the work that he's doing at the Tribal Epidemiology Center. Now, during the interview, you'll hear Chris refer to the Southern Plains Tribal Health Board, which is a nonprofit foundation established in 1972 to provide service to all tribes in Kansas, Oklahoma, and Texas. In 2004, the Southern Plains Tribal Health Board was awarded with funds from the Indian Health Service, which created the Oklahoma Area Tribal Epidemiology Center. Now, if you're curious and you'd like to dig into the history of the center even further, then you'll find links to the Oklahoma Area Tribal Epidemiology Center on the show notes page for this episode, and I'll tell you how to locate that information right after the interview. So let's connect the interview with Chris now. Well, I'm really happy to welcome my guest for this episode, Chris Tallbear. So Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Um, I'd like to just have you start out by telling us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your background. My name is Chris Tallbear, and I'm a full-blood Southern Cheyenne. Um, my Cheyenne name is Moet Huss, and it translates to magpie. And, um, you know, I've, I've been involved quite a bit with my tribe, um, traditionally, culturally, ceremonially, and they're a big... Um, factor in in why I'm here today. Big believer in our ceremonies. I came from Western Oklahoma. Um, Both my parents, full-blood Cheyenne, um, raised us up to know and love our people. 
And one of the messages that my mother, um, who's since passed on, has always told me, you know, hold your head up high. Don't ever be ashamed of who you are. You know, you're, you're Cheyenne. And my dad always encouraged me to go to school, you know, finish school and get an education. And fortunately, I, I did not graduate from high school. I got a, um, a graduate equivalent diploma, I think what that translates to a GED, but ended up, you know, going to school um, often on some of the times I had to uh, had to pay my way because I, I got onto academic probation, um, you know, but I know that education was something that, you know, was always hammered into my head because neither of my parents were able to get their degrees, education, and it took me a while. You know, I took the long road and eventually earned a, uh, a bachelor's degree in Native American studies from uh, University of Oklahoma. And, um, you know, I, I started working for uh, Southern Plains Tribal Health Board about nine years ago um, from a tribal capacity. I worked with my tribe as a program director for the uh, SDPI program and uh, eventually represented my tribe, the Cheyenne and Arapaho tribes on the uh, Southern Plains Tribal Health Board, uh, their board of directors. And so I've seen it from different perspectives of, you know, serving on the board and being a programmatic person and also being, you know, in the trenches with, with the tribal people and, you know, trying to make headway with, you know, our prevention efforts. Eventually, I, I did go back to school. That's been one great thing about working for our uh, tribal epi center and our leadership is they've always supported uh, our academic endeavors. And I went on and um, went back to school, got a master's degree in legal studies from the University of Oklahoma College of Law. That was in energy and natural resources. Um, at the time when, when that program came up, Oklahoma, we were, you know, booming with oil the fracking and stuff like that. And I thought it would be good to go and, you know, at least get that piece of paper in that area and go back and help tribes or help, you know, myself, my own knowledge. So I've, I've got a master's of legal studies from OU that I do get to use from time to time. And right now I've got about five hours left to complete a master's in sociocultural anthropology from the university of Oklahoma. And uh, after that, I'm done. I, I feel like <laughs> I've gotten enough education, you know, what they would call Western knowledge, white man's knowledge. You know, you go and you get those certificates, those degrees, diplomas to gain credibility in the white man's world. You know, but on the other hand, on the other side of the coin, you know, I've you know, spoken about being involved with my tribe and, you know, learning our language you know, knowing our culture and customs and those nuances, that that takes a lifetime of learning. And, you know, I'm still learning on that, but I'm a big proponent of uh, people knowing, you know, who they are, where they come from, you know, being aware of those things. And I think that as you go along through life, you know, you find out, you know, there's patterns, there's, you know, things that kind of bring people together and, you know, if you see enough of life, you'll recognize those patterns and, you know, life will kind of start to make sense. But um, like I said, I've, I've enjoyed my endeavors so far. I'm looking forward to completing my thesis. I'm going to be uh, writing on um, 
our Southern Cheyenne Arrow Ceremony. That's one of our highest ceremonies. It is the highest ceremony that we have. And um, people that have witnessed it and wrote about it have been non-Cheyenne people. And they are giving their perspective of something that's very deep, very intimate, and very sacred to our Cheyenne people. And, you know, at this point right now, that those are all of the um, accounts that we have from non-Indian, non-tribal perspectives. And my thesis, I, I hope, is going to give a, um, I've been through it, and I understand it. And it is to give our own perspective to other future tribal members that are looking at, you know, that way of life, taking that way of life and uh, the importance, the sacredness and the relevance of it. You know, I hope that, you know, I can uh, put the right words together and and hope that other people understand that. Wow, that's mm, that's really good. I am already mesmerized by... um your story and your journey and what you're doing. I, I can't wait to uh, hopefully read that at some point when you're, maybe you can reach out to me once you've completed your thesis. I would love to read that. Sure. Sure. So, uh, well, just everything you said, it's really important. I appreciate the work that you're doing and how you are really focused on making sure that you keep the cultural, you know, the heritage, the lessons, the information alive for the future generations of, you know, the Cheyenne tribes. I think that's really uh, admirable. So I, I want to ask a question. I'm curious to know, when did you become interested in public health as a career? You know, just listening to your story, I'm just wondering, how did you, what part of the public health aspect, you know, got your attention? Wow. You know, <laughs> I am... Um, I never really thought about public health when I was younger, going to school, uh, working on that Native American studies degree. Uh, it wasn't until I got almost finished with that degree and I got a call from my older brother and he, he talked to me. He said, you know, he said, uh, you're, you're about finished with your degree. And he said, we've got a position open with our tribe with the diabetes program for a coordinator. You know, he said, if you'd like to apply, he said, i I can put a good word in for you. And I, I did apply. I, I asked him, what, what the heck is diabetes? And uh, anyway, he said, you'll learn. You know, we'll, we'll teach you. You'll learn. And I applied. Um, and it was interesting that day that I applied for that job, you know, our, uh, our Sundance Lodges, it was still up. This was in August of uh, 2001. And uh, it was after our Sundance ceremony. And uh, drove out there to my interview, out, out to my tribe. And when I got done, I had my pipe. And I was driving past our Sundance Lodge. And I looked, looked out over it. And something called me. And I drove into that field, up to that lodge, got out, took my pipe, and loaded it, and prayed and I prayed to the creator, you know, that I didn't know what, what the plan was. I didn't know what I was going to be doing, but I pretty much gave it to him, you know, and I said, I will be and do whatever you need me to be, you know, and uh, I said, just, just tell me. And I finished and I got in my car and, and started driving home. And 
before I got home, I, I got a call from the tribes and I thought, wow, they're already calling that to give me the big turn down. But uh, it was their HR person. And she said, you know, unofficially, I'd like to offer you the job. You know, she said, I'm just waiting on paperwork and wanted to know when I could start. And that that was actually my first introduction to um, getting into, into health, uh, getting into diabetes. You know, it was something that I prayed about and, you know, asked for guidance. You know, because it's a big world out here and, you know, a little bit of help. And I think that that divine intervention, you know, helped lead me to where I'm at. And I had an uncle at the time that was a medical doctor. His name was uh, Dr. Ralph Drew. Former name used to be Drunkard, which was my mother's family name. Uh, Ralph Drew is, was my mother's half-brother. And um, the way that that drunkard name came about in our Cheyenne tribe was a long time ago, whenever they were, those agents were meeting with Indian people and getting their names and taking census and stuff like that to find out how many, you know, we're talking late 1800s. One of our relatives, he had Parkinson's, you know, and he shook a lot and he kind of, it looked like he was drunk, a drunkard. And that agent gave him that name, Drunkard. And that name got handed down throughout the generations until it got to my mom's generation, you know, my uncle. And uh, he went into the military, came back. Um, he changed it. He, he went to medical school, you know, stayed in the military. Whenever he left, he was a lieutenant colonel in the United States Army. He was the uh, chief medical officer for the... Um, Oh, there's an Air Force base down in Shreveport, Louisiana. But, you know, he stayed active. He stayed busy. He was a medical doctor, but he changed his name to Drew. And uh, it was, I guess, adopting that professionalism and the stigma, you know, um, of being drunkard. You know, and it's kind of a sad thing. But, you know, those are part of our history. I've learned to embrace that and know it. You know, I think that if we're going to come to terms with who we are, we need to accept where we've been. And, you know, our relatives just the same. They're, they're only people, you know, all we can do is the best that we can moving forward. But I talked to Ralph Drew that night that I got the job and told him, and he gave me this really complex medical definition of what diabetes was and, um, you know, just encouraged me. You know, and it, it took a lot of years. I, I put in about seven years working with my tribes, a lot of lessons, ended up being the project director for the uh, diabetes program. Uh, we got, you know, some wellness programs implemented. We started working with, uh, you know, the local community, you know, different communities. Actually, we covered the entire uh, western and northwest quadrant of Oklahoma and, um, Started working with our tribal buffalo program. One of the you know biggest things that I think that I did that helped really get me involved in the cultural aspect is our Cheyenne people. We had a prophet a long time ago by the name of Sweet Medicine, Mizzou. And before he came, our Cheyenne people, we were living not in a good way. You know, we didn't have structure. We didn't have laws. We were hurting each other. We were pitiful, poor, and starving people. And when Sweet Medicine came, uh, he 
set up our way of life. He gave us our laws that we have and this arrow ceremony that, that I mentioned earlier. And he was with our people for, for quite a few years, 444 years. You know, they say that in the springtime, he would come out, he would be a young man. Summertime, fall time, he would kind of age. Wintertime, he would look like an old man. And then when that new springtime came, he would be renewed, he'd be young again. And, you know, they said like seven generations, he was with our people. And he finally got to the point that he said, it's time for him to go. And he called all of our people together and told him, you know, he said, it's time, time for me to leave. And he said, before I go, I'm going to leave you guys some things to think about. And he went and he talked about, he pointed to these mountains way off in the distance. And he said, you know, he said that journey to those mountains takes several days. He said, there's going to be this animal that comes and it's going to have flashing eyes, a long tail. And he said, you're going to get on its back and it's going to take you great distances in a short amount of time. He said, it's going to have rounded hooves, you know, and a tail that almost reaches the ground. That was the horse. You know, he made that prediction before that was even here that, that it was going to change our way of life. And he told us about the coming of the white man, that he was going to come and he was going to, you know, try to change us. He was going to bring things with him. He said, this man's going to be so powerful. He said, he's going to be able to reach up in the sky. And he pointed to the sun and he said, he's going to take that energy. And he's going to use it. You know, and if you think about it, man has harnessed nuclear energy, you know, he's using that. And he also told us about this animal with short horns and a shaggy tail. And he said, this animal is going to eat anything. He said, it's even going to eat dirt. And he said, you're going to taste its meat and it's going to taste good. And you're going to forget about your buffalo. You know, you're going to forget about your buffalo ceremony. So he... He told us, you know, try to stay away from that as long as you can. And he also cautioned us about staying away from things that were white. You know, and if you think about it, when we were pushed onto reservations and they started issuing us rations and beef, they started killing our buffalo, you know, and giving us beef. And they started giving us things like flour, sugar, salt. And you think we made that. Fry bread, bitch, give honol, grease bread. And, you know, we put that in our bodies. And you think about what that does to us. And um, that was why he cautioned us. So, you know, we try to use those cultural teachings and try to, you know, educate our tribal members, remind them about those ways that we had. Um, you know, those were given to us. And, you know, maybe some people have lost them, but I think if we go back and we look for them, we can find them, you know, we can, we can be better. We can be strong. So, you know, those, those kinds of things play a role in everything that I do. You know, I have um, taken part in those ceremonies. You know, they told me when I, when I took that way of life, they said, your life is no longer your own. They said, you gave your life up for your people. You know, so that's how I look at, you know, with this health thing, you know, what influences us, how we act, how, what we eat, how we exude ourselves, you know, it impacts our people, you know, whether we know it or not. Ceremonial people, you know, pay attention because how we conduct ourselves, our thoughts, how we feed ourselves, you know, it influences 
and has an impact on our tribal people, especially when we're close to our ceremonies. You know, with that, you know, on the other hand, too, I referenced the um, Western knowledge, Western education. You know, we have to take those things, the chronic disease management, prevention, best practices, you know, and try to make the best of them. We don't live like we used to a long time ago. You know, we have cars, we have jobs, we have homes. Um, we've got rules that we have to exist by. And um, we can remember our past, we can remember our traditions and, and what they do for us. But, you know, we also have to um, think about today, think about tomorrow. You know, I'm always told, you know, your, uh, you know grandparents prayed, prayed for you to be here. You know, they prayed that you'd have a, have a safe trip and you're healthy and you're happy and you need to think about those other people that are coming you know, coming down here to be with us. They should pray for them. So, you know, we do that. Think about that. I try to tell people, you know, the way that you can honor your grandparents is you live the prayers that they made for you. You know, that's how you honor them. You know, live a good life. So that's what I have to say on that. This is, I can clearly see how you are such a powerful asset to the tech center and, and really being able to connect the information about health with the community because your, you know, your passion, your calling, your service, your stance of service to the community, along with the knowledge that you have um, about health and the information that you're uh, able to connect to the community is uh, makes you an incredible resource and asset to the community very powerful listening to you and really mesmerized by your stories. And, you know, not only is it very relevant to Cheyenne people, but I think that this is very relevant to a lot of cultures. So uh, I think the message is um, very powerful. So that's, that's really, um, I'm almost at a loss for words here, but um, (laughs) This is really good. I'm really appreciating the lessons. I'm, I'm learning a lot from just listening to you. I'd like to pivot a little bit, especially as you talk about, you know, how we, you know, need to live now. Can you tell me more about the work that you're currently doing and also your tech center in, in Oklahoma? Sure. Um, like I said, I've been with Southern Plains Tribal Health Board, I guess going on nine years. And, uh, you know, and in that time, I've I've served in a lot of different um, capacities. I used to volunteer with a hospice organization um, near the town that I I worked at, and served as a chairman for for their hospice organization for about nine years. And a lot of it, you know, was spent working with the nurses that went out and uh, you know worked with the uh, terminal patients. My own stepmother was one of those patients and it just it gave me a big appreciation for, you know, the work that nonprofit organizations do as well as, you know, in stage of life. You know, so a lot of nonprofit um, experience, I've worked with uh, uh, El Reno Community Clinic. Uh, we provided a free clinic for indigent people. Um, gosh, I've worked with United Way, you know, so that the nonprofit and the giving back, being a servant to the community has, has been huge. Um, it's something that, you know, growing up, I didn't get to do. And I feel like, you know, the blessings that I've received um, from the creator, you know, this is how you give back. This is how you show thanks. 
like I said, I also served with my tribe in a programmatic capacity um, with them for about about seven years, seven, eight years. And, um, you know, one of the things that we did, like I said, working with different tribal programs and finding out how we can partner together, uh, I partnered with our tribal buffalo program. And uh, we actually managed to procure a buffalo and we invited elders, children together, and we had a man come in and he, he spoke about our prophet that I mentioned earlier. And he talked about the role of that buffalo in our culture and talked about those predictions, those prophecies that sweet medicine made. You know, um, it, it really kind of concreted a lot of people. You know, they, they still look back and they think of that event that we had learning about you know, the role that that buffalo played and how it affects us now, even in our life. Um, gosh, you know, working working with my tribe's been good. I eventually left my tribe, Cali, back in 2007 or 8. It was whenever uh, there was a recession going on, and it was probably not the best time to be leaving your job, but I did and uh, ended up being unemployed for a little while. But, you know, I was approached by... Uh, Southern Plains Tribal Health Board at the time about taking on a tobacco coordinator position with them that they had open. So I did and started working with them and it gave me a different perspective. I started learning about other aspects. You know, you think about that tobacco and the sacredness of it and thinking about how that applies to your culture. You know, when you pray, you load that pipe and you put that sacred tobacco in there. You're putting it in there and you're asking for things like good health long life you know but if you're you know that's why that tobacco that we use has got to be ceremonial tobacco traditional tobacco it's why those stories are important but some people because they don't have that connection maybe they have to use commercial tobacco if you think about all those chemicals that are in commercial tobacco that come in that and you're putting that in your pipe and you're asking for, for blessings, you're asking for good health, you know, it's kind of counterproductive. So that's the importance of, of you know, knowing your culture, knowing your traditions and, and doing your best that you can, you know, to try to try to realize those lessons. You know, at the present, I've, I've been over the good health and wellness in Indian country. We are in our second project cycle. I guess the first one was a five-year project that ended last year. So I'm in year one of a five-year project. Um, we enjoy what we do. COVID's been kind of interesting because we've had to adapt and, you know, to see the resiliency of tribes and tribal people that, you know, helps them to keep moving forward in that survival. I'm, I'm just, I am so, you know, honored to be working with, with a lot of good people that are out there in the community you know, I I also do um, subject matter expert, cultural advisor, those types of things. I've been reached out from by some government organizations to provide uh, cultural expertise, cultural knowledge, cultural insight. I've done that with CDC, SAMHSA, NIH. Um, there's some things that I participate with. You know, kind of that traditional knowledge, trad- traditional healing. Um, you know, and kind of having one foot in that world, 
but also keeping another foot in the public health world and knowing, you know, an understanding about best practices and evaluation processes and, you know, survey developments, um, you know, those kinds of things, but, you know, trying to keep that balance. So I like what I do. I've got a good, good staff, people that I work with. Um, you're only as good as the people that you, that surround you. You know, I'm big about mentorship. So, you know, we've, we've managed to bring in some tribal people that, you know, like myself, didn't know a whole lot about the field when you first got in. But once you hit the ground and you start running and you've got people educating you about it, you, know, you catch on pretty quick. And uh, our tobacco person that that um, is working with us, he, he's, you know, quickly becoming very knowledgeable. And, you know, we hope to see him in a advanced degree program in the near future. So education is important. Absolutely agree. And um, just curious about the um, the Southern Plains Tribal Health Board. Does it only serve the Cheyenne tribes or are there other tribes as well? Yeah. Um, from my understanding, there's 12 TECs across the country. And ours, uh, Southern Plains Tribal Health Board, we cover tribes in Kansas, Oklahoma, and Texas. Um, got this question last night. I got a text message and it was asking how many tribes we have, how many urban centers we've got, 43 tribes, four in Kansas, 38 in Oklahoma, and I think one in Texas that we serve, the uh, traditional band of Kickapoo Indians in Eagle Pass, Texas. Uh, they're the only Texas tribe that we work with. We also work with Dallas Urban Oklahoma City Indian Clinic and uh, Indian Healthcare Resource Center in Tulsa. So, yeah, we cover a lot, cover a lot of area. Um, you know, the diversity of the tribes, you know, they tribes go from either being direct service to uh, self-governance. They may be, their, their enrollment, it might be by blood quantum. It could be by descendancy. I guess the uh, diversity you know, we've got Plains tribes. We've got tribes from all over the country. Oklahoma at one time uh, was home to 88 different tribes that were sent here by the federal government in the late 1800s, early 1900s. Um, you know, my tribe is only one. It's actually the Cheyenne and Arapaho tribes of Oklahoma. Uh, we have a northern counterpart, uh, the northern Cheyenne, which are located in Montana. Uh, we've got northern Arapaho tribe, which is in Wyoming. Myself, I'm a, like I said, a full-blood Southern Cheyenne, not Arapaho. <laughs> um, sometimes we tease about that, you know, about being more than one tribe, but I'm, you know, I've got nieces, nephews, grandkids that are, you know, several different tribes that uh, it's unfortunate that they're not enough blood quantum to get into any particular tribe though. But as far as I'm concerned, they're Indian, they're Cheyenne. So don't buy into that fact that, you know, the card that the federal government gives you, that that makes you Indian. Indian part, it's in your heart. Hmm. Now, I want to make sure I'm not confused here. I have the Southern Plains Tribal Health Board, but is that different from the Oklahoma Area Tribal Epidemiology Center? 
The Oklahoma Tribal Epidemiology Center is under the auspices of uh, the Southern Plains Tribal Health Board. Uh, the, the health board has the nonprofit status and the PECs. Uh, those were established by the, I guess, funding back in what was that, early 2000s, whenever the techs first began. Yeah, so so closely associated. You know, there's um, one in Albuquerque, the Albuquerque area, Southwest Tribal Epidemiology Center, and Northwest Portland. There's, gosh, USET, United Southeast, South and Eastern Tribes. Great Plains Tribal Chairman, yeah. Yeah, I'm taking, I'm interviewing each of the centers, each of the 12 tech centers, but I just want to make sure I had clarification about the Oklahoma Area Tribal Epidemiology Center versus Southern Plains um, Tribal Health Board, but it is the Oklahoma Area Tribal Epidemiology Center that sits under the Southern Plains Tribal Health Board. Is that right? Correct, correct. Okay, I got it. (laughs) All right. Um, I appreciate all of the great information and stories that you're sharing. And um, I just have one more question and then we can wrap up. We have a lot of students and recent graduates with public health, um, either in public health programs or recent graduates with their, you know, degrees in public health who are interested in careers in public health. So I was wondering if you could share some advice or tips for anyone looking to, um, you know, pursuing careers in public health. Um, absolutely. Um, you know, you, you don't have to have a public health degree to work in public health, um, especially with tribes. We've got, I was surprised to find out there are quite a few medical anthropology graduates that work in tribal public health. Um, that was a big shock to me. And I think that just so long as you've got that interest, you know, whatever education or experience background that you have, you bring that to the table. You know, it, you add to what it is. Don't ever rule yourself out. You know, you, you matter and you're relevant. And even if it's some small contribution, you know, you're still contributing. Um, don't feel like you don't have a voice. You know, be relevant and leave your mark. You know, whatever you do, you know, don't don't be ashamed of what you do. If you do something and you, you put a good heart into it, you, you put prayer, you put, you know, good intentions into it. Now don't be ashamed of it. You know, keep your head up, you know, and just just be positive. You know, we all have something to contribute. You know, um, I don't know. It's kind of hard because. I come from a, you know, I just, I do a lot of stuff, you know, and and I deal with a lot of students. We're fortunate that our organization um, has a lot of young Native students that are in public health or in that field that's relevant to public health, you know, health literacy, health communication. And I am seeing these young people thrive and embrace it, and they're making it. There's, you know, so it is awesome to see. I encourage that if you come from, you know, cultural background, know your culture, you know, be familiar with it. Um, You know, don't be ashamed of it. You know, bring it, be proud of it, wear it. Um, You know, just be the best person you can be. Be a good human being, I guess is what they say. Yeah, I agree. I think that's really great. (laughs) 100% agree. (laughs) Yeah. There was something that, I, it was in that questionnaire that you sent me, 
there was that last deal that I said, and I'm trying to go back and find it. Do you have that? Oh, yes. I'm looking at my notes here. Um, you said, pray for others who are coming, that they have a safe road here to be with us. Mm-hmm. And you said, have a heart and be compassionate. It's cool to be a human. <laughs> like that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, life's not easy. You know, just, just keep doing your best. Um, you know, you're, you're who you need to be. You're who you need to be. I love that. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to, to speak with me and to share your, your story, your journey. So many powerful lessons. And like I said, it's so much rich cultural, um, advice in, and insights from the Cheyenne people's perspective. But I find myself listening to you and thinking about how many times I've heard some similar advice, you know, especially about praying, you know, your product of your ancestors' prayers. I've heard that from my, my mother, my grandmother, my great grandmother. And uh, so such rich lessons that I think uh, kind of cross some of the cultural lines, maybe, uh, mm-hmm. but can be applied to some other cultures. Cause I certainly have heard some of the, similar stories or words of wisdom come from my family. But I overall really appreciate the wisdom and the rich cultural aspects and views that you bring and um, the intense passion that you have for the people you serve and the work that you're doing. So I thank you for everything that you shared on this episode. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm honored that you asked me. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Well, I'd like to thank Chris for coming on the podcast and sharing his work with the Oklahoma Area Tribal Epidemiology Center and for sharing those great career tips for everyone as well. If you'd like to learn more about the Tribal Epidemiology Centers and the Oklahoma Area Tribal Epidemiology Center specifically, then just visit the show notes page for this episode, which is episode 158. So go to drchuntley.com and click on the podcast tab from the main menu. From there, navigate to episode 158. Now remember to subscribe to the podcast so that you can be among the first to hear the very latest episodes as soon as they are released. You can find links to subscribe to the podcast from the homepage of my website, drchuntley.com. Also, If you're enjoying these episodes, then please take a moment and write a favorable review in Apple Podcasts. It will help our show rise higher on the charts and in iTunes, and it will help us to become more visible to others who are looking for this type of show. It makes it easier for them to find us. All right, everyone. Until next time, have a fantastic rest of your day. Thank you for listening to the Public Health Epidemiology Careers Podcast at drchuntley.com.